Hi, my name is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels in Keystone Heights, Florida, and welcome to my podcast. So one of my clients asked me recently, she's one of my young, young riders. She's coming 18 and I asked her, what are you going to do after high school? And she says, I want to train horses for a living. So it made me think, think about all the people that have asked me that in the last year. And also the last 30 years, I've thought about all the people that I have helped um, that, that ended up, I'm kind of like a trainer's trainer now. Um, a lot of girls that I met in junior high and high school, college, and maybe even just young women in their 20s and 30s that I helped and they were clients through clinics, lessons, or I trained horses for them um, for years, now have their own training businesses. So I was thinking um, this might be a helpful podcast to lay it all out because people say all the time, you know, this is what I want to do. I, I don't want to have a job I hate. I want to do something I love. And um, I want to have my own horse training business. It sounds a whole lot easier um, than it actually is to do. So I thought if I laid it out how I did it, it might help you with your career choices. And also I'll tell you the pros and cons of it because it may sound, you know, everything always sounds great. You know, if, you know, I'm doing what I love for a living and it does. I look at my son, for instance, um, he wants to be a music journalist. Um, you know, he does freelance writing and photography in the music industry in New Orleans. You know, he's had different jobs where he's, um, you know, been an editor, done this, done that. He's tried to take it on his own, but it's hard. It's very hard. So right now he's working full time with a job that gives him benefits. It's not something he loves doing, but it's eight to five. It's a, a good income with benefits. And then he can have his nights and weekends to chase his dream until it becomes more solid. And that's kind of how I had to get started too. So I thought I would kind of give you an idea of maybe what the first year might look like, what the first five years might look like, and then what it would look like 20 or 30 years down the road for you as well. And um, those are things that you couldn't possibly know if you're just wanting to start out, especially, like I said, if you're, you know, college age or early 20s or 30s, um, there's a lot of uh, things I think is really important uh, to think about. Do I think you have to start out um, cleaning stalls for someone and only clean stalls or be the groom or anything? No, I don't think you have to do that. But I do think it's important that you start learning as much as you can. There are so many ways you can learn. Number one, you can go to every barrel race every weekend, super shows, jackpots, rodeos, and get behind the scenes and watch and learn. Learn what you like, what you don't like. Um, different trainer styles, what they do. That is a free education and you can just wander around and be a giant sponge and absorb it all. And you'll get to be around big name trainers, small name trainers, the backyard, you know, competitor, the weekend competitor. You'll get to see everything from equipment to warm-ups to care to how they stall them. That's a really good education right there, just going to every show and learning. The second thing is, instead of wasting time watching TV or, you know, hanging out, doing nothing, you could listen to a podcast like this that's helpful or watch YouTube videos that are educational. The third thing is go to as many clinics and lessons as you can. Learn as much as you can. You don't have to 
like everything they teach. You may use some of it for your program. You may decide, you know, I can't ride like that. I don't want to use that or whatever. And that's fine too. But you're out there, you're learning, you're absorbing. And you may even just save it for a later date. You may not need it on a horse you're working on now, but it might work for another horse you meet down the road. And um, that's the fourth most important thing. Ride as many horses as you can. So um, if you can, you know, get in with a trainer who will let you uh, exercise horses for them or groom or saddle or whatever, you'll learn that way as well. That's perfectly fine. Um, and that's a great way if a, a trainer has a bunch to ride and they need help, especially at super shows, getting horses tacked up or warmed up ready for them so they can have you know, riding, you know, multiple horses, um, you know, there's places like that where you can do a job. I don't know how well it will pay, but even if it pays 10 bucks an hour, it's really, you know, helpful. Maybe you just volunteer your time just to learn and be around it and be around them. Those are all things you could consider doing. I pay assistance at my clinic 10 bucks an hour just to, you know, they get to be around it and learn, and it helps me with keeping things running smoothly, the setup, the teardown, changing drills through the day, you know, if we have to make any equipment changes, things like that. It's really helpful to have assistance, but I've changed my clinics over the years, too. I used to have assistants teaching my clinic, and I could have more riders, but I didn't get as much one-on-one -on -one time with the riders, and then it's really not them learning from me. It's learning from someone I taught, so I prefer now to do it smaller and that they learn from me, and I get to spend more time with them. So, you know, it's all, you can always change your business, you don't, your business motto or model, you can always uh, rebrand yourself, but I'll talk more about that as we go as well. So that's important. Um, here's another idea to really consider, have one horse that you make yourself that is your business card. I did that in Colorado with Callie and Cash. They were, um, Callie was super consistent. I trained her all myself. Um, Cash got me up into another division um, more consistently um, as well than she did. Um, Belle was my um, first three-year-old to go to the 1D right away with me uh, at five years old. Um, Callie and Cash took me a little bit longer, but they got there. Um, Belle and um, Belle Briscoe, Maggie's sister, they were all my business cards. Now, if you know me, you know I don't sell anything. They're with me till death do us part. So Rocky and Buddy, they're more like the farm mascots. Buddy served a purpose. He ended up being my son's rope horse. He was also my colt starting horse. You know, first time I wanted to get horses out in the cow pasture. My old ranch was huge, and I lived off 500 acres. And um, I didn't like to take training horses out there by myself the first ride, so I'd snub them up to Buddy and we I'd pony him out there with Buddy because Buddy gave him confidence. I also did that with Sister. So you can have horses on your ranch that are maybe your all-around ranch that you might use for cattle work and things like that or even like Rocky's being a 30-pound full and dismature. He never got as big as his mom or his father and, and all of that. So um, I use him. I'm going to use him mainly for lessons and um, teaching off of him, you know, and trails and, and uh, he'll be basically the mascot. So, so Rocky is my mascot horse, not that I'm going to give lessons from him, but rather for me to sit on and coach from with lessons and clinics and such. That's what he'll be mainly used for. 
So, but I did everything with Rocky as well from starting him under saddle. So, so he's my buddy and, um, you know, they're all my buddies. They're all my, my, you know, you have those hard horses, you know, that, that mean the world to you. And I love, 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 love my mares. Um, geldings are, are awesome to have around too, but there's something about me and a mare. We just, um, I guess mares are all business and once you earn their trust, they just give you 110%. And I love my geldings because they're pretty even key all the time. They're playful, they're fun, that kind of thing. But getting back to the subject. Um, so, and then the next idea is get one good client. Start with just one horse. Um, you have to remember in the very beginning, you have to ask yourself, why are you doing this? And most of you will say it's because I love horses. I love training. I love barrel racing. That's a great reason. But then you're going to want to specialize yourself a little bit as well. You're, and I'll talk about that as we go into this a little deeper. Um, but but get one client that suits your, matches what your goal is for your brand, for your business. And set yourself a brand. Um, when I started TLC, my husband helped me come up with the name Tina's Loving Care. And I didn't just start giving lessons and training. I started with barn sitting. You know, if you're going to make a living, um, this is something else to consider too. When I started my horse training business, I was 25. I got married and uh, we moved to Colorado. And my goal was to get a horse, get a ranch, train my own horses, be 1D, and start my own barrel horse training business. I was in Colorado eight years. I got it started, but it really got going once I got to Florida. So, um, but I would say those first few years were my learning years, my really figure out who I am as a trainer, what I like, what my program's going to entail, and started one client at a time. And then I lived in Louisiana one year, and I started over there one client at a time. And we were only there a year, and my husband's career took us to Florida, and I said, that's it. Whatever you do, I'm not moving again once our son starts school. And that's the other thing. I'm going to talk to you about the money of it. How much money do you need to make? And I'm going to lay it out so you'll know how much money you can make. Um, and if you're going to do it as a, as a mother, some of you are women and plan to marry and have children. And if it will fit into that schedule as well, um, you don't have to be all or nothing. You don't, you know, if you want to make a million dollars, you might, but if you're okay with making, you know, 40 or 50,000 a year, you can do it all. You can have your family, your, and your business, you know, between 30 and 50,000 a year, depending on what you decide to set your plan up as. And I'm going to discuss that for you as we go. But like I said, in the beginning, you, you're, you um, decide not to have a job anymore. Like I made pretty good living. Um, when my husband and I met, I actually made more money than him. It was only when we got married and followed his career, I had to start over. And I started over at first in outside sales for a decal company. And, um, my heart was not in it. I knew what my goals were going to be. But I also need to mention, too, we were renting a house and I bought a horse and we were boarding the horse. So rent and board, we decided it was cheaper and smarter to buy five acres and have a house and a barn and an arena <coughs> so that I could condense. We could take our rent and the board of the horse, put it in a mortgage. So now you're getting equity, which is way smarter than renting or boarding. So having one horse and, and being able to start building equity. And we made a lot of profit off of that house in Colorado when we sold it and moved to Louisiana. 
we made profit off our house in Louisiana when we moved to Florida. And then um, my home in Florida, when I sold my big ranch, I was able to pay off my small ranch. You know, mind you, after a divorce, you have to split up everything and divide everything in half. And and then he gets half, I get half, and then whatever's left. So you just go from there. But thankfully, by the time we were all said and done, because we were together 25 years, I was able to um, eventually, after I was there a couple of two, two years on my own, I sold that ranch, paid off this ranch. And, and now that's a really comforting feeling that I could completely change my business again. And I will talk to you about that as we go. But um, I'll get more into that. But in the beginning stages, okay, um, you have to decide what it is that you want. So I would take and find one client. All you've got to do is have one client and do 100% your best for that client and get a reference from them and get a website. You can open up your own website cheap. There's free ones. There's $25 a year, $50 a year. You don't have to pay for a $100 a month website. You know, you can just start off with a free one or a cheap one, $25, $50 a year. And that's a place where you just kind of put about you, maybe whatever you've won. Um, like I said, make one nice horse for yourself. That horse is your business card. Back when I started, we didn't have fancy videos or photography or anything like that. If you were lucky, you went to a big show and Kenneth Springer was there taking pictures at a rodeo or a super show. But other than that, it was just whatever pictures you got. We didn't have photographers hanging out at little jackpots. Um, it was just whatever pictures your friends took off, you know, whatever. And you're, you're, you used um, video cameras that were on these little cassettes. And then you had to put the cassette on your TV. And it, it was a whole process. It's not easy like it is now where you can put your video on your phone and put it on your YouTube or your Facebook or your TikTok right away. It wasn't like that. We spent a bloody fortune just advertising in magazines and feed stores just to get your name out there. Now advertising is your budget so free almost now on Facebook. I mean, you could still pay to market and, and all of that, but I've always been word of mouth. So, um, and I'm proud of that fact as well. So, so anyways, um, reference is really important. Start with one client help that one client be the best that they can be do your 110 percent best you can do for that client get a reference put it on your website that's the beginning of your business and that's really really important and like i said you may have to work in the real world part-time until you get it going or you might have to have a side deal where you barn sit while you're doing that so let's say you don't have a barn okay some of you are like well i don't have a house or a barn so that's going to make it tough to train horses unless you go and do lessons at people's place. So that's something you can advertise. I will come to you. Do you know how many people would pay you to come to their house to teach you how to load a horse with natural horsemanship methods versus pain, force, you know, fear, all of that? Um, I can't tell you how many lessons I lost over the years where people couldn't get load their horse to come to a clinic or a lesson or training. And it would have been really helpful to have a client to say, hey, uh, one of my clients, can you go teach these people how to load their horse? So some of them, if they were close by, I would go teach them how to load in the beginning. But um, but even if you just went to their house and did lessons, groundwork, teach these people how to be around their horses with just simple groundwork. Um, you know, and you could even, you know, advertise, exercise their horses for them. Most people that send you their horses for training, either A, don't know how, or B, don't have the time, or both. 
Um, so that's a great way to do it. You can do it at their place if you don't have your own place. If you do have your own place, then set it up safely with a nice stall and a paddock and a place that you can ride safely. Make it look professional, even if it's small, even if you just have a two stall barn or one stall barn, you know, and that's the other thing when you have a business, try to only have one horse. Um, because every horse that's on your property should be making you a profit. If you have more horses than you have, if you own more horses than you're training, you're already in the hole every morning when you wake up. So keep that in mind too. I want you to love what you do, but remember it is a business too. So you can't just have eight horses and only train two. It just doesn't, the math doesn't work. So, so the next thing I want you to think about is setting your budget. Okay. So like I said, um, you can start a lot of different ways. You can be creative. So my young people get a driver's license, work at Kentucky Fried Chicken or McDonald's if you have to, to get your first junker car. That's what I did. I worked at KFC and my first car, I thought it was awesome. It was a breaker. I mean, it was just a really bad looking Audi with a sunroof, but I thought it was, it could have been a Ferrari for all I cared. I wanted a truck, but couldn't afford one. So I bought what I could afford. I traded. I also worked, um, as a receptionist too, receptionist and Kentucky Fried Chicken. So once you get wheels, that helps you get things going, okay? So let's say you get your license, you get your vehicle. Now you can at least go do lessons somewhere. If you're even better than that, maybe you're a young person that's married and you can buy your own ranch. Um, or some of you rent a place that you could set up, but be careful with that. You need to get insurance uh, liability release forms. Everybody needs to have someone sign that. In Florida, they have a statute, but type it up, add the Florida statute, type that they're releasing you of liability, have a contract, a training contract, a lesson contract, have every person sign it because courses are unpredictable. Things happen and you want to cover your butt so you don't get sued. Um, you know, it just, in 30 some years, I can count on one hand, um, things that went wrong and there was nothing I could have done about it, but it was still was heartbreaking. Nobody died or anything, but horses or people got hurt and you wish, oh, if we could have done that different. In hindsight, you can always say, well, we could have tried this. We could have tried that, but it's horses. Every once in a while, something's going to happen. But as you become a better trainer, you read things better, you take more precautions, all of that. And that should be part of your training principles. Write down on a piece of paper your plan, um, you know, and write down what your philosophy is going to be. Mine was ride with heart, which meant to put the horse first. I hated seeing the people that were cruel to horses or just they were a commodity and they just used them up and sent them down the road without a care where they ended up. I, I don't have a problem with people selling horses, don't get me wrong. Um, I just want them to find a good home for them when they do sell them, not just dump them, you know, and not really care where they end up. Or, you know, I don't have a problem with if you're putting a tie down on, if you're doing it for the right reason, not because you have holes in your foundation of your horse or because your hands suck, you know, those kind of reasons. Um, or, you know, you have holes in your rider's cues or your horse's foundation. So, so when I started my business, it was to give 100% inside and outside the arena. And working hard is important. Unfortunately, um, a lot of times as parents, we screw up and we give our kids better than we had as kids. So our kids get where they don't have a good work ethic. Sometimes it's good to let a kid be poor and have to earn their money and um, 
have to have a part-time job. You know, our son showed, um, we paid for his college, so he didn't have college debt, but, but our son had to keep his grades. He had to work part-time. He, um, while he was in college, um, he showed, uh, steers, you know, for his extra money, uh, to do stuff because he lived in the dorm and all that and, you know, and to pay for his gas and all those things. And, um, but he lived, um, you know, he showed steers and he'd take his steer money and set aside and he bought his first truck with that. So even if your kid's really busy and can't work a part-time job while they're in high school, um, maybe their activity that they're using for their college resumes um, can earn them income like 4-H or FFA, things like that. And that money they can save and put it towards their first vehicle or college or whatever it is that you guys work out. So, but again, I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about high school, 20s, 30s, everyone's going to do it different. So, so if you are in your 20s and 30s, you're married um, and you're wanting to do this from home, your husband has a great career and you're going to get your business going, that's a, a nice thing when someone has a solid income. That was my situation. So if I had a bad month, it didn't kill us, but um, but I always was still trying to make X amount of dollars a month. And that's what I want to talk to you about as we go into this. So set a budget and know what things cost um, and know what the profit's going to be. A lot of people don't pay attention to that and you really need to know. So let me just discuss that for a minute. Um, uh, okay, let's just say you start doing a lesson. If you're going to them or you're providing the horse, you can charge more. But let's say at your house, like for me, I charge $50 for hour and a half if they come to me. I charge $30 an hour if it's a regular. If I haven't seen them in a long time, I'm charging them $50 because it's going to take longer anyways because I haven't seen them in a long time. So I like the $30 lessons for regular clients because we have a routine. I'm seeing them weekly. You know, the $50, I do that for first-time clients or an hour and a half lessons. Um, and that's all profit. So lessons is great. Now, if you um, train horses, you have expenses, okay? So let's say um, you decide you're going to take in one horse for training and you're going to charge $1,200. At least $400 is going to be expenses. Hay, feed, fly spray, water, electricity, because um, you got to shampoo these horses. That's going to run your electric, your well, all of that. You buy fly spray, maybe hoof care products. So let's say 400 is cost of that 1200 Or maybe you're starting out and you can't quite charge that. Now, of course, you're going to make more money in New York or California versus Georgia, Alabama, or Florida because our, our cost of living is less. We pay through the nose for hay in Florida compared to when I lived in Colorado hay prices. So that's because we don't grow anything but coastal here. So for quality hay, like alfalfa, orchard, timothy, it's all shipped in and we have to pay for it. You can get peanut hay a little cheaper, comes in from Georgia. Um, so you can also work out a deal if a client brings their own hay and feed, but sometimes that can be a slippery slope because they don't bring enough and it's a headache and a pain. So, um, you got to be careful too not to change a horse's diet. So I always had a horse, a client bring one bale of hay and one bag of feed at move in and any supplements. And then I had my set price as well. So let's say you're only charging a thousand, you have 400 in cost. Okay. So, so that's going to be only $600 profit versus the 800 if you do the other. So consider what that would pay you. Okay. So if you figure out after hay, feed, fly spray, fly spray, water, electric, whatever, um, and you ride the horse five days a week, 
um, for four weeks in a month. That's 20 rides. So um, that ends up being $40 per hour that you make in the saddle. If you do the $1,000 instead of the $1,200 a month, you're making $30 an hour in the saddle. All right, so that's one horse, one hour of your day. So that's pretty good. So let's say you've got yourself your own place, all right? And some of you might not be able to do this. So in the beginning, you may only be making, but that's still pretty good money, right? And it's still making more money at $30 an hour or $40 an hour if you even drove to them and rode the horse at their house or where they boarded or whatever and exercised the horse at their house and took out the gas. It's still better than paying McDonald's, but it's still only one horse, one hour. And when I say one hour, some rides go better than others. Some rides you're there longer and in the saddle longer. Some you're shorter. But by the time you bathe them when you're done or saddle them and groom them before, you're spending about an hour, hour and a half a horse. If you don't have a hot walker or anything like that to warm them up or cool them down, you even have more time, you know. But I didn't even, I never, in all my career, I never wanted a hot walker. I, I had a round pin. I want to do everything with the horse. I want the bond. I want the connection. So I do everything with them. I do a little bit of groundwork and then I do time in the saddle. And if they're having a good ride, they get a short ride. Maybe we just go out on the, the trail and walk after the cows. Um, or we spend more time in the arena if we're having a bad day. So, um, so anyways, that's the other thing. You want to have something you can lay out to your clients. This is what I'll do for you. And most people want 30-day miracles. You need to lay it out that, hey, I'd like to have this horse 60 or 90 days. This is what I'll cover in 30 days. This is what I'll cover in 60 days and 9 days. And, of course, that's going to vary based on the horse. And so that they know you're riding the horse and that you're really doing what you're being paid to do, ask them to come once a week for a lesson. Or send them videos and text messages daily, good or bad, of how the horse is doing. And tell them, don't take it bad when, it, you know, don't take it wrong. If I tell you the horse had a bad day, that's training. Some days are good, some days are bad. And if you're having a bad day, you know you need to maybe slow down or back up and fix a few things before you go forward. That's a whole different subject. So again, back on track here. <laughs> um, if you're training four horses, okay, let's say you did take that rental and that boarding and move to your own place and you've got that one special horse that's your business card and you're able to get the clients now. You've started with one, you've got a reference, you're building on it. Let's say you're doing pretty good now. <clears throat> if you get four horses in your barn in training, you know, and that's riding four horses a day, then uh, you're going to be making 2400 to 3200 a month. Again, that's based on if you're bringing them in at 1000 or 1200 um, after your expenses, you'll be making 2400 to 3200 a month, which is 28000 to 38000 a year on four training horses a month. So that's not too bad, you know, if you can live off that. You know, some teachers make that. If you can ride six horses a day, that's why you don't want to have too many of your own because riding six horses a day is a lot, especially if you don't have help and you're doing it all yourself. Feeding, cleaning stalls, watering, grooming, tacking up, riding, bathing, turning out, fly spraying, all of that. So six horses is pretty much a lot. You know, there were days I could pull off eight, but I didn't like it. I, I mostly like to ride four to six a day. Um, and my horses, I could alternate every other day because they didn't have to be rode five days a week like a client horse. And then, um, and then of course, you know, you had two extra days. Maybe one day you were hauling client horses or maybe one day you were, were um, hauling your own horses to compete 
and maybe one day you had off with your family. That's how I did it. So, um, you know, on average, and then of course you throw in a super show here, there, two day rodeo weekend or whatever. But on average, that's kind of how my weeks consisted of client horses, five days a week, my horses every other day, one day to haul either client horses or my horses and one day off with my family. So I'm pulling six day weeks most of the time. I've done that my whole career. But you guys have to remember, I love what I do for a living. People will know if you're only in it for the money and people will know if you love what you do. Okay. There's a difference. You know, a lot of people get so caught up on, oh, I want to make, you know, a hundred thousand a year. I need to make six figures. Then your goal is different than my goal. My goal wasn't about making a ton of money. It was about making a decent living to do what I loved. And, um, and I think that's important that you keep that in mind. So, so here's kind of an idea, um, of what you could make. And then later, remember, now, let's say you're training horses. That doesn't have to be your only income. You could still do lessons one day a week or fit them in around your training horses. So like I said, you've got lesson money. Um, you could try to get more business by doing some free clinics, and then maybe you could start charging for your clinics. Um, I've seen guys uh, ask tractor supply and places like that. They can set up a round pin and, and do a, a a free clinic or something there are 4-H or, you know, uh, different arenas. You could go to different speed show clubs and say, hey, you know, I'd like to do a free clinic on groundwork or a free clinic on, you know, uh, basics for horses. Because that's the biggest hole you will see in client horses, whether they're coming in for training or lessons, is foundation. So if you can fix foundations, they're going to think you're a miracle worker because if a horse has a great foundation, the pattern is so much easier. If you can fix a rider's cues, they become so much more consistent on the pattern. And again, they'll think you're a miracle worker because you've changed the rider, you've changed the horse. So now they can perform better because they have a more solid foundation. You will go back to basics your entire career of, of training horses. And the advanced people know that. You know, the advanced people absolutely know that. So you know that if you're wanting to do this for a living. But that's what you will see a lot of. Um, there will be horses that you just fine tune and and such like that too. You'll get some horses that come in that have amazing handles on them. And they just need some fine tuning on the pattern. Or you've got to work with the rider. But again, that's experience. That's the later what I'm talking about where I'm at in my career now. Um, but keep in mind the later. Because remember as a horse trainer, just like a barrel horse or just like an athlete, there's only so many years before that golfer, that professional football player, baseball player breaks down with arthritis and injury and they have to either A, they slow down, they don't play as good as they used to, or B, they have to be retired. So keep that in mind too. That's why you have to be careful. I I got a lot of horses at one time that I was competing on. I had three mares. At one time I had four mares I was competing on and then they, boom, all ended up retired at the same time and they're all still on my fee bill. They used to break even for themselves. They earned enough money to earn their keep. Now they're just, they, they just cost me. <laughs> but they, they've earned their retirement, so it's not a problem. But that's why I tell you, don't do what I did, because it probably wasn't the smartest idea having four horses I was competing on. In the, in the time, it sounded like a good idea because, you know, horses come up lame and they need time off. And you can't run that same horse every single weekend they'll just wear out, you know, they need mental breaks, they just, they get hot, they get sore, they get frustrated, they get 
over it because they're busting their butt for you. I found my horses did best if they only competed twice a month rather than every weekend. So I alternated my horses. I was still able to go and that's how I ended up with more horses. <laughs> and then of course there's times where horses do stupid things and have to be, you know, turned out. You know, I've had um, Briscoe sat back at the trailer once before I used uh, uh, clippets and uh, spooked her, shut down like a dog and pulled her hamstring. Had to be out for six months. There was another time Briscoe kicked a fence post uh, at another horse in another pasture and broke a little bone in her foot, had to be off for a whole year, six months in a, a, a special shoe casting her foot, and then six months of slow bringing it back. She had lots of atrophy and all that. So, um, you know, there's times where your good horse has to be sidelined. So would two, two horses be a good idea? Probably, if you could afford it, maybe. If you just want to stick with your one, then you can always show your clients horses too, if your one horse needs time off. So that's probably the smartest way to do it. So, but like I said, I did a lot of things from my heart, not my brain. So that's why I'm telling you now, uh, financially, I was offered a lot of money for my little gray horse three times, turned it down flat, which my ex was very upset with me for, because it would have been three times what I paid for her, but I didn't want to sell her, you know, and, um, I, I should have, but I didn't. And later down the road, she ended up with arthritis in her neck and shoulder and her hip. And, you know, she she had bad feet from the get-go when I bought her. She already had something going on in her neck from the time that I bought her. But I thought I could fix it with chiropractic. You know, so if you get a pre-purchase exam on a horse and the vet says they've got this stuff going on, you may want to keep going because that stuff's just going to get worse as it gets, as they get older. Um, if, you, if you're thinking long-term, if it, some things can be maintained with injections and TENS units and massage and chiropractic and acupuncture and it was but it costs a lot to maintain all that stuff too there are horses out there like sister you know Haley's horse they're like freaks of nature and and I'm sure it has tons of maintenance too but they just have the genetics of a really sound solid horse as well so if you can get a horse with good genetics you're going to have less expenses too and I'm telling you this because of a business aspect Try to find something that is lower maintenance because high maintenance will eat up your profits real fast too. So not that any barrel horse is low maintenance, but there are higher and higher <laughs> as well. So keep that in mind. Um, so, so giving you that idea of what you could make a year, like I said, later down the road, I've had to pivot my business. Um, I've had to start my business over. Whew, let's see, I started in Colorado, started again in Louisiana, started it again in Florida, and then had to completely change it again in Florida um, due to my hip. So every time you're going to take a ding when you start over and you do it the same way every time you just start one client at a time, um, you get out there, you start letting your horse be your advertisement or let your your clients be your advertisement. Um, that's why you do the very best because you love what you do and you want it to show, but you also need those references because word of mouth is what's going to get you your next client. So keep that in mind too. Have a website, have a business card. Those are important little things, but you know, it's just professional. Use QuickBooks. QuickBooks is really important. Have a register where you write everything down and then once a month or every other month, whatever, log it so you know. QuickBooks is great. You can log all your uh, deposits and withdrawals and then you can do a report of your P&L 
profit and loss and you can customize it for the whole year and print it and give it to your tax accountant and then say here you know do my taxes for me it's very simple for you keep all your receipts in a box and have your little PL sheet you print out and give it to your accountant and boom you've got your taxes handled but it also allows you to see where you're losing money where you're making money the bulk of my money every year goes to hay that's where the biggest part of my income is lost and that's in hay um so you got to keep that in mind that's why you really got to watch it like i said lessons is pure profit um now talking about that so later on i changed my business right i pivoted i'm no longer training horses my body's wore out that's my point of getting to the point where you can't train horses forever so now i want to use my brain to run my business i want to do virtual coaching i want to do lessons i want to do clinics and nothing else so it did take me a little bit of time to to switch it over but it's working awesome now but it also happened during the covid pandemic hit it all hit at once it was a trifecta um i i moved pandemic hit and my hip so boom 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 it was three things at once so um so anyhow doing lessons on the low end you can make one or two thousand a month in lessons in virtual coaching i'm making anywhere from 1500 to 2000 a month and then in uh, clinics about a thousand to 1500 a month as well so so that if you add that up monthly you could be making as little as 3500 a month up to about 500 5000 a month and that puts you anywhere from 42000 to 60000 a year so um and now mind you you still have to pay taxes um in tax bracket you know you might be 10 percent, 8 percent, 12 percent, whatever you know you just have to go file your taxes and see where you're at but um but those are all things to consider um and i put in there you know like you can't write off everything like you can you can write off your tags on your truck and trailer you can uh, write off hay if it's for client horses or your business horse. Um, those are things to consider as well. So, so let me go back up here a little bit to a couple things I kind of skipped over. Um, you know, like I said, nowadays everything's high tech, so you can do a lot of this on your own. Um, you can uh, it back. I used to have to advertise in magazines or feed stores. And then, of course, word of mouth being out at the barrel races and such. But nowadays, um, you've got Facebook, you've got Instagram, you've got YouTube, you've got TikTok. So you can do a lot of it on your own. You might have to hire a team, though, if you want to go big. If you want to have a huge business, you might need to hire a marketing team to set up a website for you or email contacts. Because um, emails is kind of important because... If you just advertise on Facebook, you don't know anything about those people other than Facebook Messenger. But if you have their email, at least you can set up a, a way to contact them and let them know when you're having clinics or, or when you have an opening for training or lessons. So you have a way to contact them and kind of do a group email and say, I've got openings. And that'll fill your, your, your schools or your classes or whatever you're doing. Um, Facebook does have, uh, what do you call them, algorithms. And you can do some advertising in Facebook. It costs a lot. And I've done it a couple times. I didn't find any profits from it, but I was probably doing it wrong. So that's why, like I said, you should hire a marketing team if you want to go bigger. So I've just decided I grow my business better organically. Um, I've looked into doing things more on a, um, a level where uh, I had hired a team. And it would cost me um, $2,000 to get a website 
an email situation where it's all set up for me. Um, and then uh, the Facebook ads and all that would cost me a hundred bucks a month. And then the website afterwards would cost me a hundred dollars a month. So once I figured out, you know, there's 200 a month in the expenses I didn't have 2000 up front and expenses I didn't have. Um, and then it's a, you know, with the client, the business grow so much that I would be pulling my hair out and not be able to keep up with it. Um, would it be worth it? It's kind of like if you have a mom and pop store and it's going great and you decide to or open up another store, but then you got to hire people to do it for you and run it and all that. And, and then you end up all these extra stress and headaches. And then you don't have, um, you know, the weekends with your family anymore because you're having to pull seven, da seven days a week to keep up with two shops. And that's kind of like where I decided, you know what, I'm happy where I'm at. What I make is enough for me to enjoy my life. Um, and have the things that I want to have and and still have time for me and my horse and horses and you know all of that so uh, put money aside for retirement or emergencies so that's the stuff that you kind of have to look at you have to decide how much do you need to make to live the lifestyle you want and remember everybody's different some people have to have new trucks new trailers a fancy uh, ranch. They have to take big vacations every year. They want to travel a lot. So if you want all that stuff, you got to realize in order to have all that stuff, you're probably going to need to have the bigger, you know, team and set up so because you're going to need more clientele coming in more and more and more where my business has always grown organically word of mouth, you know, a couple clients a month coming in, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to go big or go home. So I, I, that's how I do it. So I'm just sharing with you small business technique, not multi-million dollar businesses. Um, so those are all things you need to weigh out or six-figure businesses even. Um, the people that say they're working 20 hours with a six-figure business, I doubt it. Those people are probably working a lot more hours than they even realize because that's their, their passion. That's what they enjoy doing. Um, so, so just kind of consider that, um, when you're doing it, um, decide how much time you want to work. Is it, you know, and how much time do you want to have for family or, or your, your hobbies, your quiet time, your peace time, that kind of thing. So, um, now that this is really important right here, special, specializing, specializing is key. Um, used to be when I was younger, everybody had all around horses you know, you showed in every event, but things aren't like that anymore. People specialize more. You've got your rainers, your cutters, your barrel racers, you know, everybody kind of specializes and you don't see a lot of crossing over. Um, so try to design a business that you think that you would want. You could be a futurity trainer. Um, you may decide I want to train futurity horses. You could decide, you know, I like youth. Youth is where I want to be because youth could give me clients, you know, these are their parents that, that are going to invest tons of money and lessons for these kids. And maybe I'll do a youth rodeo team and I'll, you know, these parents are going to be regulars because they're going to want their kids coming for lessons every week and all through junior high, high school, maybe even college rodeo. Um, so you might decide to specialize. You might decide to specialize in super shows or um, cult starting. You know, you might want to specialize in basics or basics and barrels. Um, you know, you, you might decide to have a combination of like I did training lessons and clinics. You know, I didn't really care if it was youth or adults. I loved all people. I didn't care if it was an Arabian or a dash 
to fame horse. I rarely ask people what their bloodlines were of their horses because that to me wasn't why I took a client. I took a client to help them become their personal best, whether it was 5D or 1D, whether they were on a gated horse or a Frenchman's guy. So everybody has their own niche in the market. And like I said, for me, Ride With Heart is putting the horse first. I wanted clients that loved horses, loved barrel racing in that order, and uh, were willing to work hard towards their goals. And um, and that was my kind of client. You know, I, I want people who are invested, of course, because you don't want to just waste your time. Now, mind you, I had clients that sent me training horses. I put a ton of time and money in those horses. And then they just went home and sat because life happens. And that that happens. But I really love the ones that I could train. And then I could watch the owners go on and do well with their horses. Um, so, you know, that always makes you happy to see that happen. But it doesn't always happen because, like I said, life happens to people. So, um, so that's important to decide what it is that your specialty should be, um, in the beginning, you may just take, like I said, you might be doing lessons and helping people load horses or work on groundwork. Um, maybe you'll grow into basics and then barrels. Maybe it'll be cult starting or maybe be, um, giving lessons to kids first. Um, but be creative. If you see a need, let your business feel that need and try to stay ahead of things like like with me. I try to pay attention to the industry. When I noticed virtual coaching happening, I got right on board with that. When I noticed podcasts happening, I got right on board with that. I've always put videos. I wish, I wish I would have been smarter. This is the stuff I'm going to share with you guys, which hopefully helps you. I wish 15 years ago when I was making all those videos for my clients, like sometimes in my group, you guys would be like, where's the video on red um, single barrel or the video on Joker spiral spirals? And I laugh because you think it's a name of a, of a drill, but it's not. It's the client's horse name and it's the drill. So like I would send it, I'd load it on YouTube and I just put the horse's name and what drill I was doing and then I'd send it to the client. So I had record of what I did with their horse and that's why, but I wish back then I knew I was going to be virtual coaching because I would have done a whole lot better on, um, on my videos, explaining things and, uh, maybe putting, you know, what week they were at and what their issues were when they came in and what we were working on. I wish I would have been more detailed back then when I was skinnier and prettier too. <laughs> so I, I look at my videos sometimes from back then I'm like, Wow. You know, back then I thought I was fat. <laughs> you know how that goes when you're a woman. You see yourself 10, 15 years ago and you're like, what? So, but anyways, um, you think, wow, I was hot. And I was always picking on myself even back then. So um, anyhow, we're always wanting to be prettier, whatever. So, but um, let's see here. Where where was this going? Um, so yeah, it, I wish that I would have done that. So don't be afraid to document your stuff. Even if you don't put it on Facebook or Instagram, put it on a YouTube channel. Not everybody's going to see it because only people are going to see it or people stumble up on your channel or people you send to your channel. So, and, and I have so many videos, God, they wouldn't even know where to begin to find something on that YouTube channel. That's why I have to find it for them. And that's why I have a website for members only where I log it by topics so I can find it sometimes <laughs> and make it easier for them to find it as well. So, um, so those are all things that, you know, as you go, you can alternate your business if you don't decide you want to do this and you can rebrand it a little bit, but 
um, you know, I would stay true to your heart. What the reason you started your business is probably the reason you should keep your business the same all the way along. Um, like I said, for me, ride with heart has been my motto for over 30 years. And, um, and it still is to this day, even though my business has pivoted from training lessons and clinics to virtual coaching lessons and clinics, it's still the same motto, um, and still the same goal to help one horse and rider be the best they can be. So these are all things that I want you to consider and keep learning too. I've gone and audited many clinics, um, over the years of somebody that I thought, huh, I'd like to see how they teach and I'd go watch and, you know, I might pick up something I like or see stuff that I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. I don't like that or whatever. So, you know, it's very much um, a personal thing. You know, everybody has certain people they're happy to ride behind and not. So, but I've been talking for almost 50 minutes. So I'm going to start wrapping this up. But like I said, this is a business. I'm passionate about it. I've been doing this for 30 some years. And um, I, I hope me sharing this with you allows you um, to kind of... Um, uh, have an idea of what you might do with yourself if that's truly what you want to do if you want to do this for a business the last thing I want to leave you with is two very important tips one is if you get a bad client or a negative client dealing and you know down in your heart they did you wrong and you've got to be right don't be right. You will lose five clients trying to be right with that one bad person. The best thing you can do is bite your tongue and let them quietly go away. Let them go somewhere else and just take care of your good five clients. Don't make people choose between you and them because you have to be right. It's better off just to let you know what that person did to you. Just let them go and save face with the rest and, and keep your reputation intact. Um, that's the second thing that I want to say. It is a small world. Do 100% your best every single time, ethically, putting the horse first, the client first, and your reputation at all times, because it is a small world. I promise you bad news spreads so much faster than good news. So always try to, um, stay positive. And then also you don't want that kind of negative energy around you. You want to keep it positive. That's the only way you will ever last in this industry is loving what you do and not letting negative energy around you. Um, so just keep that in mind. So I'm going to finish there. And as always, I like to thank everybody for listening to my podcast to ride with heart and God bless.